pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow! To throw rainbows it down the right side for Kyle Pitts. He's got it. He's there. Touchdown! Oh my indeed, everyone. Welcome back to the Sports Bits Podcast with Moco, here to talk about all things Florida Gators football and Boston Celtics. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsBitsPod to get updates on when I upload. I will also be tweeting live takes and reactions to the games being played that day. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. It would be much appreciated. All right, time to get on to the Gators news. There's not much to talk about, really, so I want to go like a rapid fire from all the things like, you know, players returning or, you know, transfer portal stuff. So I wanted to get started on the returners that are like, you know, big stars from last year that we would probably make an impact next year on the defense mainly because uh, we're going to be talking about like guys like Trey Dean, Jeremiah Moon, Brendan Cox, we are not sure. I think he said on Twitter he's going to be returning, so we're going to say he's returning for now. So those are the main returners, but we also have a lot of guys on the transfer portal. So for right now... Talking about Jeremiah Moon, I mean, if Ventral Miller does not come back, I think he'll be a great guy in the linebacking room. There's also other guys. I think they're going to try to push trading up there, which is probably not a smart thing. But also, there's a I haven't wrote down all the guys, but there's going to be a big list of guys coming back for the linebacking core. You know, we got Amari Bernie, we got David Reese, Muhammad Diabate will also be back. We got younger guys like uh, Teron Hopper and Derek Wingo. All really good guy. I think really serviceable guys. You know, there's not really any star players like Ventral Miller. If he does come back, that'd be great. But we also have new guys like Chief Borders coming in from the new recruiting class, which will also be a big help on the linebacking core. So, you know, having adding Jeremiah Moon to that group would be amazing. So, you know, adding to that linebacker room, there's a lot of experience because there's probably one of uh, probably the group that's like probably the oldest next to the sec- uh, secondary with Trey Dean, which we're just going to talk about next. Trading in the secondary uh, at safety was going to be great considering all these guys in the secondary like at the cornerback and safety positions are all mostly freshman sophomores. So if you know if you're looking at the quarterback section or cornerback section, it's Kyrie Elam and Jaden Hill who are the main guys coming back for Florida in the secondary uh, secondary room along with Trading. It's going to be a lot of freshmen like Rashad Torrance. And for the fresh, uh, the cornerback side, you know, Rahari uh, Rogers, and uh, I don't think there's any other guys. I think uh, Ethan Pouncey played a little bit, but yeah, there's also going to be new new signees coming in like Jason Marshall and Donovan McMillan for those uh, for the secondary room. So hopefully they'll be able to bring their bring their skills in because we're going to be doing a lot of uh, rebuilding and retooling in the secondary and also some developing for how young it all is because we have a lot of you know seniors leaving like Sean Davis. Donovan Steiner and, you know, Marco Wilson. So, you know, having that retool and, you know, development of the young guys will hopefully bring our defense back to what it used to be in maybe a year or two or even this or even next year if, you know, Todd Grantham and the new secondaries coach um, Wesley McGriff gets everything sorted sorted in the secondary position. So for the, you know, the Ed Rushers and the uh, and the uh, defensive tackles, you know, I can, I'm also going to transition into the transfer portal because that's where our main retooling on the defensive line came from because in the defensive tackle section, we got you know our two transfers, uh, Dequa, uh, Dequa New Newkirk, and also we got Antonio Shelton, one from Penn State, Antonio Shelton, and we got Dequan Newkirk from Auburn, who is also a recent recent transfer that we got, and both of those guys will be really helpful considering we have lost a lot of guys to the draft, and also we have freshman Gervon Jexter 
in the back who had some experience this year. We saw him play, you know, he's a freshman, so he didn't have much experience, but I think he'll be great coming back in, you know, with a little bit of, of starter experience from this year, uh, from last season. So for edge rusher wise, I think we're going to hope to say, I'm hoping to say Brendan Cox comes back because he's a great guy on the, on the edge, along with Zachary Carter is another guy who was though two guys mainly on the edges getting after the quarterback. It was exactly what we needed getting pressure. So it makes it, you know, gives, gives the secondary a little bit of an easier time. You know, when the quarterback's under pressure or under, under duress, it'll make the secondary's time a lot easier because they're very young. Not much experience uh, next to uh, next to Trey Dean, who's the only experienced guy next to Kyrie Elam, who had a lot of starting time. So, yeah, we have a lot of you know we have a lot of young guys, a few few veterans coming back. So hopefully they'll be able to mentor those guys into the starting role and you know get our defense ro- rolling again. So uh, one low key uh, transfer you know move that you know kind of got swept under that you know not many people are talking about is the Jace Christian uh, Christensen man. Uh, kicker who transferred from Mississippi State, you know, because we have Evan McPherson going to the draft, and we also have Jacob Finn. I think he's transferring. Yeah, he's in, he's in the transfer portal, so he's hopefully going to bring bring you know consistent kicking back. You know, we had Evan McPherson for so many years. You know, it feels like our kicking team, our kicking, our special teams was pretty consistent. So hopefully, uh, Jace can bring that uh, from Mississippi State. And for the punting team, I do not know if there's anybody coming in. There could be uh, probably in the – yeah, so we have – if I'm looking at the roster right now, or at least the predicted roster, we have uh, Zach Sesha, who's a sophomore. We have Jeremy uh, – Cro- uh, was it Crawshaw? Yeah, Crawshaw. Those are the two guys. I mean, we also have Chris Howard. I don't know much much about these guys because there's – you know, they haven't gotten really any starting posi- starting roles. They've probably been on the bench trying to develop themselves. So maybe if this, one of these guys pops out next year, we'll see it. You know, we'll see what Dan Mullen wants to do with the special teams. Yeah, there's not much. I mean, if you want to go back to talk a little bit more detail about uh, Daquan Newkirk, who came from Auburn, he's a four, he's a former four-star defensive tackle. You know, he'll be able to complement Antonio Shelton on the line as, as those nose tackles or as those defensive tackles getting pressure on the quarterback or just pushing the line back towards the quarterback and just – or even stopping the run, hopefully, because that's one thing we, need, we, we really desperately needed was, you know, run stoppers up the middle – so hopefully those two guys will be able to help out. The only thing, only negative uh, coming from Daquan Newkirk is his injury prone. He is very injury prone from his Auburn days. He doesn't have many stats to talk about just because he was injury prone during his time there. You know, if he stays healthy, that would be an amazing thing. You know, having consistently all 12, all 12 games, but or all 14 games. But we'll see. You know, there's a lot of, we don't, we don't want to confirm anything. We haven't seen the spring game. We haven't seen spring practice. So we don't want to confirm anything. We're just, you know, trying to list out who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, and just, you know, go from there. And hopefully we can see some chemistry with these guys coming in the spring with a full uh, spring practice. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot to work because, you know, we're coming from last or last season, which was, you know, a lot of veteran guys. You know, we had a system organized in the offense from Dan Mullen that was really, you know, really complimented Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and all the receiving core. You know, not much on the running game. So, you know, next year with uh, Emory Jones and a loaded uh, running back room because Demarcus Bowman will be there in the uh, in the running back room, a, transfer, a five-star transfer from uh, Clemson. He'll hopefully be able to add to that along with Damian Pierce and Malik Davis coming back. And, you know, the low-key, I think the next, you know, star running back who's going to be getting a lot more work next year will be uh, Naquan Wright. He's definitely, the, I think, the guy, from what I've seen this year, if we're going to continue like a more passing hybrid pass run kind of um, 
I, I can say like pass run like option with the running backs. And if we're going full power, I mean, we have Demarcus Bowman, we have Damian Pierce, and I think we can push that along with you know having Emory Jones as a mobile quarterback would be uh, help uh, be helpful to get the pressure off off the running backs next year. And for the offensive line, I do not have much you know much to say because we had a lot of guys coming, uh, a lot of guys leaving for the draft, a lot of seniors and stuff. But we do have a few guys that are um, well, a few guys that are you know we still don't know about like Forsythe, Delance, and Reese. Sue Reese, um, that are all making decisions right now. They don't know. We don't know if they're coming back, and the rest of them. There's not many people I, I see in the list that are you know, you know they stick out like a sore thumb kind of deal. Just because we haven't seen too many of these guys, because a lot of them are freshmen and sophomores. You know, they probably haven't gotten too many reps. You know, in games, so you know we don't have much of a sample size to work off those guys. But you know, we'll see. We'll see what we what they do because they really need to develop this offensive line, especially if we have to protect Emory Jones, who's going to be running a lot probably. If we're doing like a run pass, run pass options or you know QB power run or design QB runs, you're going to need a good offensive line to protect the running backs and uh, Emory Jones if we're going that route next year. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they do. It's a lot of we'll see, we'll see, we'll see kind of deal. But we'll yeah, I keep saying it, but you know. There's a lot of development needed from the young guys and a lot of old guys that are coming back here have to help develop, um, mentor and develop these guys. And along with the new coaching staff that are, that are coming in, there's a lot of, there's also another uh, new uh, headline that just got released about like a couple days ago about the linebackers coach who's actually going to Michigan. So we're going to have to also find another guy to uh, fill that role in next year because, you know, the linebacking core was really good uh, this year with Vetra Miller, Amari Bernie, and all those guys. So we're gonna have to see how that, see how that <laughs> that ends up in the linebacking room, but yeah, that's really all I got. There's gonna be a lot more on on the Boston Celtics side if you stick along or stick uh, stick around for that because we're gonna be talking about the James Harden trade and how that affects the Boston Celtics in the East because there's gonna be a lot of things to say, and also we're gonna talk about the recent slate of games. You know, there's only two just because of the uh, you know COVID COVID cancellations. We only had one. One game of the series from the from the Mad Orlando Magic, and then we had one from the Knicks that was really kind of a depressing game. We can t- we'll talk about it later though. So I will see y'all next week if you are here just for the Gators content. But if you're here for the Boston Celtics content, please stick around, and I will see y'all in a minute. And we are back. So uh, I transitioned to Zoom just because uh, I got my friend James back because we got a lot to talk about today, and I think yeah. his uh I think his opinion will help because also I didn't really watch the Knicks game compared to he did. He actually <laughs> did watch the Knicks game. I thought it would have been a blowout, and you know, you know, we would have been, uh, cl- uh, what is it, cleaned up. But you know, we didn't. That didn't happen. So I guess he can put it, give us a little input. I mean, I looked at the stats; it was kind of sad. But yeah, I, we can point. talk about that later. So, um, first things first, that that it, that really affects. Oh, sorry. If you want to say anything before we get started, oh, no. I mean, I I all I was gonna say is that it was just disappointing for the Celtics to lose against the Knicks by such a far deficit. I mean, it it. Honestly, you would think that with the talent of Jalen Brown that they would at least get somewhere close, if not beat the Knicks, because they're already not that, like, one of the, I would say, statistically, on paper, their roster looks like one of the worst teams in the league, which is shocking that they're doing decent right now and not actually losing that many games, but that's all I got to add in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, we can talk about it more, but I think the most important thing that came out of this whole last week is the James Harden trade. Just because the only reason I want to talk about this, I'm a, we're a Boston Celtics podcast, but the main reason I want to talk about this is because he moves from the West to the East, which means he's going to be a contender along with the Celtics. 
So the full details is that, you know, he goes to the Nets, which is going to be the, you know, we already had to worry about them with Kyrie and K, uh, KD, but now the Nets get K, uh, James Harden. So the Rockets get Victor Oladipo's, Karuk's, XM, bunch of picks. Um, the Pacers get Karis LeVert and the Cavs get Jared, Jared Allen. Yeah. Prince, which is also yeah. another concern, but main, re- main thing is the Nets, which we'll go into detail a little bit. I mean, first, like first impressions on this, on this, on this trade, what, what are your first impressions on this? Um, I think that it's huge. I think that it completely shifts the uh, the balance between the West Conference and the East Conference. We it's in, it's been almost 20 years since the East has been considered by fans as the better conference, and now since James Harden has came to the Nets, I think that has completely shifted the balance of it. And uh, the West looks maybe arguably weaker than the than the East right now. So I think that James Harden going to the Nets was huge, and um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a big deal, and it could drastically change the uh, the the weight of how the conferences are. As long and along with that, it's also has its downside by putting that much pressure on the Nets. I mean, it is realistically championship or bust for them at this point now. Yeah, I mean, they really don't have a future after tra- trading away all those picks plus Karis Levert. You know, a couple of young guys like Karuks. So, I mean, it is, it's funny how you say like the, the East is considered weaker, even though, you know, I think we have a more, well, like if you look at the win loss in general, like it's a very, like, I think we have more wins on our side than, than losses. Oh yeah, definitely. But you know, you do have the two juggernauts of the LA teams, both have Mm -hmm. only 10, 11 wins. And you can't but forget the, the sleepers, like the Warriors still, when yeah. Clay Thompson and, and Curry are both healthy, like and they're, they're Wiseman. still unstoppable, unstoppable. Wiseman's having a great season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it definitely, I, I think it Harding going to the Nets balances, but also unbalances the conferences, because like I said, you know, Harding's that big of a player that he can impact that much for a conference. And when he was on the Rockets, as, even though he didn't he didn't go far in the playoffs, their their team was very dysfunctional, and it was kind of clear on the court, especially during this season, when how unhappy he was in all those post game interviews that he had, saying that chemistry's off and that he's just not having a good time. <laughs> yeah, and they're not matching. <laughs> yeah, every fan was like, "What the hell? What the hell is going on with this?" But um, but yeah, the uh, the main I'm not, I don't really want to talk about the details with the Nets and stuff. I mainly want to go into how this impacts the Celtics because we are a Celtics podcast. So you know mm-hmm. we are doing pretty good. We are second in, in the in the standings. You know this is still early though, mm-hmm. and if you know the Nets find a way, to, I'm gonna like assume the Nets are gonna find a way to include James Harden in the game plan so it doesn't affect KD or Kyrie shots or the rest of the guys shots. So I'm assuming exactly playing at their best potential with James Harden. How does that matchup look like to the Celtics? I will give my input after, but what do you think about that? Like the matchup with the top three of their guys versus all of us in the Celtics? To be honest, I think that they're a very beatable team. I mean, you have to take into account that, yes, even though in uh, in his debut for uh, for the Nets, Harden got a, a 30-point triple-double, that was without Kyrie. And Kyrie has been kind of hurting the Nets, to be honest. Uh, so I think that the with a full strength uh, Celtics team, they could easily beat the Nets, uh, especially if Tatum and Brown both have really good games. Marcus Smart's always going to put up bit, uh, some decent numbers to help out. You know, you got you got guys on the bench that will. Uh, you got to definitely uh, the Celtics definitely have a deeper bench than the Nets. Uh, that's without a doubt, and uh, I think that could be a huge game shifter, especially with. Um, 
with uh, Tatum and Brown uh, playing as well as they have been. So uh, that's what I got to say on that topic. Yeah, I mean, the matchup was tough because, you know, I, we've had problems, we've had seen in the past where like big threes have, there are too many egos that need shots that exactly. detriment be a detriment to the other, other players. Mm-hmm. So that, as I'm saying, this is their best potential. I think their best potential, like if they, you know, Harden plays a little more off ball, Kyrie's the main ball handler, Katie plays off ball like he did with the Warriors. I think they will definitely beat us, but if their egos start to clash, which is our best, I think is what we're hoping for, it'll definitely hurt. And yes, as you said, the bench is deeper. So, you know, when those bench guys or reserve guys are in for the nets, we'll be definitely dominating the the court. Mm-hmm. And I think our, our rotation is definitely set up to be, you know, we'll at least have Brown, Tatum or Smart or Kemba on the court at, at one time, you know, even when their reserves are in. So I think we'll be fine. And they right. can do the same thing too. They can spread out their, their stars so they don't have to play the stars all the three all three at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can always have a guy, you know, match up on them when that happens. But overall, I mean, it looks it looks, I mean, I already had to worry about the Nets. Like the, I at my <laughs> as I said last time, the teams I worried about was the Bucks first and then the Nets. I right. thought we're gonna figure it out and then we're gonna be like number three, and then the, the Sixers right behind them. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Sixers will pull up, you know, in front of them and we'll be four. I don't, I don't know the, how I'm going to like predict the rankings, but the three, I guess the, definitely the four teams we have to worry about are the, the Nets, the the Bucks, and the Sixers. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot. And, I mean, you see the Knicks just completely wreck us, and it just does not give me hope, <laughs> you know. But I could talk. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about mainly with the, with the Harden trade is that, you know, you know, we heard about him playing, you know, a little more off ball and stuff. He said he'll play off ball. Like a lot of comments from Steph Curry and stuff said like, oh, I'll play off ball. Like, I don't, I don't want you to have the ball. It's just because D'Antoni made the system right. to make me ball primary ball handler and stuff. So, I mean, do you see that happening? Do you see that? Do you think Harden will put down his ego just a little bit to take a little bit less shots and let Kyrie run the offense? I, I think that he will to a certain extent, you know, it, it... – it's tough to say because, you know, like I said, with, with his debut, I mean, it was, it seemed a lot more of the same that we've seen from Harden KD. I mean, he said that he, he wanted to stray away from ISO ball because he's done, he's done that for so long. I think that, you know, during when I watched his debut to me personally, it's, it seems a little bit more of the same. But again, like like I said, that we we still haven't seen Kyrie play with the two of them, so it could be completely different. Kyrie could be really taking up the ball as much as possible, and and James Harden's going to be off ball a lot. But you know, it's it's up in the air. I think that um, you know that all three players are great isolation players. It's just a big question mark on how all of them can be playing together and I think that for the key for a lot of teams for to beat the Nets is going to be locking up KD you know and like you can you can work you can take the chance on Kyrie or Harden having a really good game but so long as KD I think is locked up like that's the biggest problem on the court for anybody in the opposition so I think that that could be a huge game changer for a lot of lower level teams you know even somebody like I don't know like Toronto they could possibly beat you know the Nets just by locking up KD you know it it, it, but like I said it's a big question mark because we still haven't seen all three of them play together and hopefully we'll be able to see that soon if Kyrie actually wants to stop you know being annoying to the media (laughs) 
I agree, dude. It's funny how you said like Toronto like is a lower tier team, and you think with like Pascal Van Fleet and all like Chris Boucher, right. you think they would be like a mid tier good team, like an eight seed. And they still we'll have see. Kyle Lowry, said, too. Yeah, they still got still, Kyle Lowry. So, yeah, as know. I said, you know, the season hasn't fully developed yet, hasn't fully marinated. So, we don't know. You know, it's still the rough, like the rough, raw, you know, beginning of the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to transition to the next, you know, game comparison. I'm going to call it like a game comparison between the Orlando Magic and the Knicks because right. those two games were very polar opposite. You know, I looked at the stat lines. I watched the Magic game, at least. And it was – there were complete polar opposite games. And mm-hmm. the first thing to highlight, of course, you know, Jason Tatum, Rob Williams are the main guys that were out. So, you know, yep. it's understandable. You know, we still had Brown, Smart, and Kemba's back in the Knicks. You know, we can discuss about about that later because I think he hurt. may have he may have hurt the team a little bit more than helped. That's just my yeah. opinion. But just going off these couple stats, I want to read out first and get your opinion on them. So just reading this right now. So I'm going to go off offensive defensive ratings. Okay. So for the Magic, they're 26 in offense, 21 in defense. And then the Knicks are 27 in offense and eighth in defense. Which is impressive for the Knicks. That exactly. is really impressive for the Knicks. And they, they, they stepped up defense, uh, huge defensively this year. And honestly, I'm shocked. I mean, I didn't think that a bunch of those young guys were going to be able to, you know, pull off that kind of uh, efficiency. But, I mean, Julius Randle is having like an MVP season. I mean, he's really going off. Like, I wouldn't obviously, yeah, that's a stretch. But, you know, it's uh, – um, it's definitely like in conversation right now. I mean, he's just, he's putting up big numbers. He's having the best season that he's been having before. And he's had a long drought of not playing well for a lot of teams. So the fact that he's stepping up now is huge for the Knicks. It's funny how we all, we all thought, you know, Katie, Kyrie going to the Knicks, you know, I guess they didn't really <laughs> need them, huh? they're doing pretty, they're doing all right themselves. They're doing okay themselves. Yeah. So the main thing I wanted to highlight, uh, at least for stat-wise, was the true shooting percentage for both teams, like the team totals. You know, this is the Boston's, like the Boston's uh, true shooting percentage on each game. So the, on the Magic game, their true, uh, true shooting percentage was uh, 64.3%. And then if you go to the Knicks, Boston's uh, TTS, I'm going to say CTS, was 383 yeah. And it's and it also it's also correlates with the, uh, the effective uh, field goal percentage as well. They're very similar. So you can mm-hmm. put those both into your head and like, what do you think of that? Like the shooting wise, both nights. Uh, um, I mean, it's just like, it's just disappointing how like inconsistent that could be, you know, like they, they, they shot well. So they shot so well in one game and then shot so poorly in the other. And I think that it, it, it really uh, like the fact that Tatum didn't play really hurts the team a lot. And, you know, it, 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 it it's a struggle to be able to have your star players out and still perform to the level that you're normally playing at. And, you know, we know that the numbers will drop a little bit, but they shouldn't drop that much. They have to stay at a consistent level. And it's just a shame that they, that they had to lose by 30 points to the Knicks. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but you know, you know, you know, you saw after the, um, the uh the Orlando game like everyone was hyped like oh my god we're like yeah. we're still together as a team you know we exactly. can we can work without our best star you know we're still a team like all of us can contribute in whatever ways yeah and then you see the next game is kind of like you what can't happened. have that counterbalance especially when your star player is out I mean it's yeah. just it, you you if you have to be consistent throughout the season regardless of who is out and who isn't so it's like you it's it's figuring out that counterbalance against different teams that are specialized in different efficiencies 
Yeah. It, it's funny enough that, like, as I brought up Kemba earlier, because I want to mainly highlight him because his first game back, Mm-hmm. and you know he had Hip 20 injury. minutes he had 20 minutes that night which took away from Pritchard which I keep hyping up that saying like yeah. yo, he's the next our next point guard that should be you know getting in full starting minutes type deal and he's still solid you know he's still he, he was, solid he was not solid during the game I'll, I'll give you a stat line right now like he was one for eight at the three-point line well yeah his field goal percentage was uh, 23 Knicks, everybody shot like shit yeah <laughs> um, yeah but you know still I I you know, his first game back, so I don't want to, like, roast him for it, but, like, it yeah. did take away from certain rookies that were doing really well. You know, like, Payne Pritchard, we had we gave minutes to Grant Williams, Robert Williams, but he's still injured, or he's on COVID, so mm-hmm. COVID protocol, so you can't really say he's, you know, part of this game. But I, I don't know, man. I've been hyping up Pritchard, and, like, Kemba comes back, you know, not – he is, it is his first game, so I guess he needs to have time to, like, you know, get back into the groove. Of things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean what, he shouldn't have shot – he should, Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker shouldn't have shot seven and eight threes. They, Marcus Smart went 0 for 7 against the Knicks, and Kemba Walker went 1 for 8. Like, that's just unacceptable. Like, you can't have that many shots and not make them. You either got to know that you're going to make it or don't take them. You know, that's the kind of mentality that these NBA players got to have, and the, the fact that they just took those many shots and still missed all of them, like, it, it, that's terrible. Can't have that during a game. It's funny enough that Marcus Smart made a lot of his threes during the, the Magic game and throughout Which the is, season. His yeah, he's a pretty yeah. good three point percentage. So yeah, that's why that's that's why I said it earlier. You know, like you can't have these certain you can't play really well against certain teams and then drop off against other teams, especially when Orlando and uh, the Knicks really aren't that far off from each other on the standings. You know, they're 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 relatively similar teams if you look at it statistically. Yeah, minus the off- the ratings, I just the offensive numbers, yeah, exactly. defensive numbers. Yeah. But that's yeah. just really nitpicky because, like, I like to use those numbers just because it gives like a holistic re- representation of their offense of and defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not trying to highlight one player. Like, I'm not just trying to highlight Kemba being terrible, right. and that correlates to the rest of the offense or the rest of the yeah. defense. So, yeah, I just I also saw another thing that was crazy that the whole Knicks be- like starters and bench like the top five and the bottom five all had positive plus minuses. If you know what plus minus is, it basically yeah. just gives like a whole list of, like a, a whole efficiency of like the whole player, like defense, defense, offense, you know, overall eff- like effort. And every single Celtics player had a negative plus minus. Yep. Which really showed that no one was, it was not their night. No one was making it. Like I think Jalen was the only guy like really doing anything for the, for the team. And he was, was still like, you know, negative like, 27 like, during the game. What is it? You went negative 27 for the game. Like how, like, <laughs> like I, it doesn't make sense sometimes, but like, yeah. you know, you gotta he go did score it. 25, you know, he did yeah. do his thing, you know, he had to be our top scorer because Jalen, uh, Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum's out. So yeah, I think he'll, he'll be definitely our number two guy when it comes, everyone gets back to normal. For and, sure. you know, if we had to face the Nets, I think he'll be our number two guy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, is there anything else you can really see off, off of this game that really like sets you off? Um, the, I mean, the, the only thing that I will say that I that I thought was positive for the Celtics is that they brought they went deep into their bench during that game. So which I think was a good idea because they, they uh, because normally, like we, we mentioned, um, I think uh, two weeks ago in, uh in the previous time that I was here that uh, Brad Stevens doesn't love to change up his game plan a lot. But I like that he went deep into his bench for this game when he saw that guys were underperforming. So like as much as, even though they lost, you know, by a lot of points, they, they were 
putting in guys that, you know, might be able to do something in later quarters or, you know, just start heating up a little bit. And some guys did, like, I think that Javante, uh, Javante Green had a, had a solid enough game. You know, he did, obviously everyone went negative, like you said, but, you know, there was a couple guys that had some decent games, like Daniel Tice shot well, you know, like there, there was a couple guys that, you know, that just were involved a little bit more and, and were able to um, facilitate the, the uh, on the court. Yeah, it's funny enough that you were kind of uh, you were a little bit of trashing Tice the first time you were last time you were here yeah. because you know we were hyping up Robert Williams, we're hyping up Grant Williams, we're hyping up uh, the mm-hmm. other centers, and we were like Tice doesn't really seem like the guy, or like even Tristan Thompson it doesn't seem like the guy who'd be at the center position. We should put those young guys in. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think that you know, he's like some of these guys. Yeah, I just don't think that Tice should be the centerpiece for you know being the the starting center. Like he's a solid backup. He's a, he can perform when he needs to perform, and he's he's not that bad on uh, on offense as well as defense. He can go both ways, but the the problem that that arises for me is that you know he's got a lot of younger guys behind him that can have further potential for their ceiling rather than Tice. So that's where I, I'm coming from. I don't hate Tice. I don't think that he's bad, you know, but like he, he I definitely don't think that they should, you know, make him the, the, the starting center. I feel like there there's better options out there. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> and um, quick question about the, about the Knicks. Do you mm-hmm. believe that they're a legit, like, you know, eighth, seventh seed in the, in the, in the, in the East with this kind of, with like the past performances, like they haven't, won, I don't think they've lost a game since like the beginning of, of January. So they've done pretty well. Yeah. I think that they could, they could easily slip into the eighth seed. I don't think that they'll probably get anything above that. They probably won't be a seven or a six, but they could, they could easily slip into the eighth seed, but it, it with, if, if they continue the way that they're playing, but um personally I don't see it at the end of the season but I wouldn't be surprised if they got the eight seed at the end of the day yeah I mean it's it's fair I mean it's just just like a one game slate as I, as mm-hmm. I said last time I don't like to like nitpick one thing and say like that's my prediction for the future because like off yeah. of one game but yeah I mean looking at the I mean looking at quickly before the we, we ended up because I don't really have anything else that really seemed you know you know worthy of talking about but mainly right. the offensive and defensive range for the Celtics they actually went down. The offensive rating went down a little bit from the last time we talked. It was ninth, and it's now twelve. But their defensive rating went from twenty-one to seventeen, which is. I mean, good. I don't know if I've seen. I don't know if I've seen really any defensive improvement. I don't know if you've seen that, but it seemed to get a little bit better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, during the Knicks game, obviously, I would say that I didn't see much improvement. However, I do think that they're starting to get into a groove of things, and that they're they're starting to build up that chemistry on defense. They already have it. I think on on offense, it's just making sure that they can bring that to the defensive side. I mean, their offense is basically just pick and roll with the top players, or like you know, just run run uh, Marcus Smart on the floppy and get him open on three type deal. Hey, but it works. That's just my how I see it. It works, man. <laughs> I mean, pick and roll might be the oldest thing in the game, but it it works almost with like eighty percent of the time. <laughs> I mean, I wish we had we could. I wish we had like some faster guys that can incorporate like a like a Golden State Warrior type offense where it's a lot of like yeah. off ball movement, a lot of fast players. But you know, out. our guys are all yeah. bigger. You know, mm-hmm. like we have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are our main guys that are a little bit bigger, and they're not as fast as like a Pritchard or like right. a Marcus Smart who can run that kind of like off ball screens and runs and try to get open on three. Definitely. But you know. You know, we work with what we got and try to make sure we have a game plan that works with our, fits our guys, fits the system that, you know, 
that can really shine make our, our star shine or even you know make the other think the little guys get some clear better shots mm-hmm. so yeah i mean you know this is still i mean we're, we should not discount the celtics just because it was one Knicks Knicks lost but definitely definitely but we should wait till wait till the midseason mark for us start making some like Oh crap! We're not gonna make it, yeah. or like we could, we could definitely compete against the Bucks and the and the Nets. Yeah, they're yeah, definitely I mean, still in it, though. They're definitely still in it. They got they they have time. They got they have the overload of talent that they can abuse on people. So you know, like I was saying earlier, like I totally think that if the Celtics are are healthy and they're good like they could totally crush the crush the nets like uh, so long as like i said before that if they lock up kd that like that nets game would be a blowout in my opinion the celtics could easily beat any team in the league in my opinion well hope so i mean so the next couple games are the are the 76ers so we'll we'll see how we fare because that's a pretty good team and we can judge our our little judge our you know our thing with that because we have two uh, two games back to back at philly so Mm-hmm. And hopefully, and then we'll see the Cleveland Cavaliers after that. So, I mean, they're yeah. an upcoming team, and also they have Jared Allen now. I mean, I don't know what you're. Have you watched any of the clip, uh, the Cavaliers games to give any opinion on how they are? I haven't watched a lot of the of the Cavs games, but I will say I've been hearing a lot of rumors that the Cavs are thinking about shipping uh, Drummond out and making Allen their centerpiece, which would be huge in changing the. Uh, um, the, the age for potential because, you know, Jared Allen's obviously very young. You got really good talent in Sexton and Garland. You know, those, those, the three of them could work really well together and be a, a really good future big three, in my opinion. I mean, we'll see because, uh, I mean, the Cavs haven't really had much since uh, LeBron left. Exactly. They had Kevin Love, but he's like injury prone. He might get so. shipped out too. He might get shipped out just like he did in, in Minnesota. So we don't mm-hmm. know. We don't know. Well, only time yeah, I mean, well. these next slate of games look like a lot of fun games. We do get to play the Lakers later, which is going to be a really fun game. That should be very interesting. And we'll, we'll <laughs> seeing LeBron and Tatum again. Hopefully, we can get like a you know crazy highlight highlight <laughs> clip of LeBron getting blocked by Tatum again or something like that again dunked on. Yeah, I hope Tatum we'll dunks on him. That would be great. But that would yeah, go I think that's a, immediately. Was it? That would go viral immediately. Oh my god! It did last time. <laughs> Hope it did it again. But yeah, that's that's it for the Celtics side side of the Sports Bits podcast. So, you know, next week I don't really know what we're going to talk about because it's just a crazy season. And plus, you know, at least on the Florida side, there's not much to talk about. There's just a lot of transfer, a lot of coaching movement, and we don't really have much. We have the guys, you know, the recent uh, what is it? The recent signing class, recent dra- uh, recent signing class moved uh, enrolled on campus. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. those guys next week. For the Celtics side, we're probably going to talk about the Sixers games. Those are probably going to be big games, yep. especially if they don't get canceled by COVID. So hopefully, hopefully it doesn't not. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Till next week, guys. Peace.